It's a great video, isn't it? That, uh, for the, not just for the kids, but for us as, as adults. And uh, if it's your first time here, or maybe you come on uh, for special occasions to church, then as a church, we've been going through a series since January called Our Daily Bread, where we've basically just looked at uh, one chapter from the New Testament uh, each day uh, yeah, for nearly four months now. And so this is already set in place and, uh, since January. And so what I was going to speak on today was already put into the pattern. And so sometimes when you, you come on a Sunday or to a group, you don't really know where you're going to land on. Uh, and First Peter 3 uh, talks about a few different things. I was like, oh, what am I going to say on Easter Sunday? But then verses 18 to 22 uh, really stand out uh, as, as, as we look at this today. So if you've come today and think, oh, no, this, this guy is going to do a sermon uh, just for me, or they've been waiting to try and get people from the outside, like, I can honestly say that's not true, because this has been in place for the last four months. So if this is, touches our heart or speaks to us, uh, my encouragement is maybe it's more than me, uh, or more, maybe more than the plan of a church trying to try and convince or twist your arm. Maybe God loves you, and maybe he speaks to you, and maybe Jesus did really die for you and wants you to respond to him, uh, as he does for all of us. So First Peter 3... 18 to 22. If you have your Bibles, then you can look at that, but, but also they're on the screen uh, as well. And so this is what it says. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. I'm, I'm pretty happy that I can read it, actually, because we've got a problem with our PowerPoint. And this morning, I, I woke up with conjunctivitis, so it was almost like an eye test then, reading it at the back, so, uh, so I could just about see it. But the, these verses... Uh, are the verses that we land on today. So let's just look at them and, say, and open our hearts to them. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. And everyone, me and you, all of us, our neighbours, our families, even our children or, or our older parents, everyone suffers because of sin. That, it's the reason they're suffering in the world. Whether it's your own sin that's affected a relationship with a loved one, and that person no longer speaks to you or has forgiven you. Or maybe the sin of someone else. We often hear some really sad stories of a drunk driver hitting someone walking on the pavement and how that sin has affected the life of many people. And also sin affects our relationship with God. But Jesus, as we've read today and as we've sang songs and as the Bible is clear on, Jesus never sinned. 
Like we, we believe that Jesus never sinned. And so his suffering, it says that he suffered once for him, but his suffering was because he took on our sin. We sang a song that Jesus became our sin. And you may be here today and you may not believe in sin or that you're a sinner. There's programs on TV today almost making fun of the idea that we are sinners or people are sinners and this is just a weird old word that the church made up. So if you don't believe you're a sinner or, or in sin, I would simply ask you, like, what do you call it then? Like, what word do you use? Like, what do you call it? Like, if you're a parent, what do you call it when you constantly try to teach your kid to be good and not greedy, selfish, or sometimes unkind, especially if they've got brothers and sisters? Like, like what do you call it? Like, what word do you use for it? Or what do you call it if you're married and yet in your heart and in your mind you sometimes desire someone who is not your spouse or partner even though you don't want to? Like what do you call that? What name do you give it? Or what do you call it when you say or do things behind people's back or when the door is closed which you're maybe deeply ashamed of and it's your dirty little secret? Like what do you call it? Because the Bible calls it sin. And it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a word and it's to, to explain that it separates us from God. It's, it's doing, saying, or desiring things that God hates. God hates sin. And it's the reason why, as it says, Jesus was put to death in the body on the cross to suffer for our sins. His righteousness for our unrighteousness. And so the Bible is clear, isn't it? And I've got four boys, and I would love to say, tell you all that none of them are sinners, that they're all perfect, that they all listen to me first time, that they never hit each other, they never snatch, or, or Theo as a two-year-old now never hits me in the face when he doesn't want to go to bed. I, I'd love to tell you all that. But sadly, even from a young age, sin has affected our lives. And it's not just around the world that we see it in the horrors but also it's in our hearts and jesus went to the cross the un the righteous for the unrighteous and also this verse tells us why he did it because i can't get my my mind my mind around this but the reason why he did it the reason why jesus went to the cross the reason why he suffered for our sins is in that first verse there it says he did it to bring us to god he did it to bring us to God. Like the, the good news of, the, of the, the gospel of Jesus is that God loves us. Like God loves us. And I don't believe you, but I, I can't accept that really fully. Sometimes I really find that difficult, that God would still love me, that God loves us. I don't believe you, but lots of people like annoy me. <laughs> and I annoy a lot of people. And I do things wrong, and the other people do wrong things. And so I often want space, or I want to avoid those people, or I want to like kind of go away from those people and not see these people. And yet all the things that we, in our consciousness, consciousness or deliberately, or maybe in, in our ignorance, have done against God, and yet he loves us. He did this to bring us to know him. John 3.16, one off, if not the most famous verse in the bible says god so loved the world and in my brackets i've wrote 
and he still loves the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's clear here, like God loves us, that he gave Jesus for us to receive eternal life. But also he says the word perish, that there is another consequence as well. He wants us to know God. So as Christians, we, we embrace God's love. We don't say we're perfect, like we've got our lives together. We just, we're just a bunch of people who admit like we're imperfect. We admit we've got a sin problem. We admit we need rescuing. So as Christians, we embrace God's love and we thank Jesus for taking our sins to the cross. And we receive eternal life as a gift. It's a bad deal for God, isn't it? But like, that's really, like, we accept our sin. We say, Jesus, please take my sin to the cross. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm trusting in you. And when we do that and receive his spirit, he gives us the right to become children of God. And he says, I'm going to bring you to me with eternal life. And so that's what, as Christians, we, we believe. But also, the other part of that, I didn't become a Christian until I was 18. But if you don't believe that, then the opposite is true. Like, you reject God's love. And instead of his mercy, you'll receive his judgment. Because you say, oh, I, I don't need, I'm not a sinner, or I'm okay, or I'm good enough, or I can get to God by myself. And if Jesus paid the cross, the, the price for everyone, then it is ignorance and arrogance to say, I can make it to God by myself. So instead of receiving his mercy, like you will receive his judgment. And it says about, instead of receiving eternal life, it talks about perishing. Like no matter how you say that word, that is not a good word. And yet God has done this for us. So do you know God? Do you know this love personally for yourself? Like will you receive mercy or will you receive judgment? Because he loves you and he died for you. He died for your sin problem. And we need to acknowledge that we do have a sin problem. And, and accept that and be grateful for that. And then, but then this verse ends, the first verse says, but then he was made alive in the spirit. So Jesus died on, the fr on that Friday 2,000 years ago. He's definitely dead. The Romans, some of us watched The Passion of the Christ this week. The Romans, like that was their job for killing people. They were merciless in that. So Jesus definitely died. And then he was buried. And many of his disciples and friends like, thought that was over. Like the, the, the women go into that, they said, who's going to roll away the storm? stone? No one believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. They all thought this was over. But then this next verse is quite a strange verse, which tells us something that might have happened when people thought it was all over. Because he says, he was made alive in the spirit and it says this it says after being made alive in the spirit he he went and made a proclamation to the imprisoned spirits to those who were disobedient long ago when god waited patiently in the days of noah while the ark was being built in it only a few people eight in all were saved through water and if i was kind of trying to be clever and trying to 
uh, manipulate these verses, I probably wouldn't have included these. They're like, oh, a bit strange, or, or do we need to sp- speak about this? But this is what the Bible says. And we don't know exactly what Jesus said. It doesn't tell us. But in, prob- in all probability, it was a pro- proclamation of who Jesus was and what he had just done and, and how he had just defeated sin and death to all the people who had died before him and all the people who did not have faith in the one true God, who did not have faith in the Messiah. He went and proclaimed to them who he was and what he had just done on the cross and how he had defeated sin and death. So it was a proclamation of what had been done because it wouldn't have been good news for them. Like this wasn't good news for them. Like we don't believe in a God where every God leads to the same God. Any religion leads to the same one. In the end, it doesn't matter. There's no judgment. Everyone will be saved. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the only way, truth, and the life, and that there is opportunity for eternal life or separation, perishing without him. And so Jesus went to the, the spirits of these people who had been dead for a long time, and, and he went there and proclaimed what he had done, but he didn't give them good news. He was saying, look, this is what I've done. This is who I am. This is what is going to happen to these people who were dead and did not have faith. Faith, because the Bible says that even those under the earth, some people call it hell, the Bible can also calls it a place called Sheol, even those under the earth, even those before Jesus, and those who did not have faith, will still declare that Jesus is Lord. Like the Bible says that, that everyone in the end will declare Jesus Lord, whether it's with a, a gratitude in glory or whether it's under the earth. Like kind of maybe even through gritted teeth of their, of their wrongness. But everyone will declare that Jesus is Lord. Philippians 2.10 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Every knee will bow, every knee will confess that Jesus is Lord. And the story of Noah here was a few thousand years before Jesus and sadly uh, as a pastor sometimes I have to do um, uh, funerals and sadly some people have come to me when a loved one has died recently or maybe a long time ago and they say can you pray for them can you pray for this person who has died or or they say to me or what can I do now to get this person into heaven what can I do to get this person to have peace with God and sadly, I've had to say, sorry, like, I can't pray for them. Sorry, I can't. Sorry, I can't do anything for them. And even though that's hard, it would be wrong to tell them anything different. Like, the Bible is clear in that. Once this life is over, this temporary life, we can't then do anything for those who we have lost and so the, the, the emphasis is on, on what do we believe now? Who are we following now? What do we look like now in our faith? And so what about us? The Bible says that everyone will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Like everyone will bow. That's what the Bible says. And so will we do it gladly in heaven? I don't know about you, but because Jesus is real to me and he's changed my life, 
when I was 18 and saw all the sin in my life, my dark heart still, and yet he accepts me as God, like I'll gladly bow before him with my head on the floor and say, Jesus is Lord. Gladly, because I know all he's done for me. Or will you do it even though you believe something different? And it says about being under the earth from a different place instead of being face to face with him in glory. Be with people who didn't believe in him or believed in a different God. Or maybe you used his name as a, as a swear word uh, and just and used it flippantly on oh, now there is no God. Like the Bible says that everyone will confess and we'll be, so will we do it with a smile on our face as we see our saviour or we will do it from under the earth in a place of pain because Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me Jesus declares no one there's no other way there's no other religion there's no other sacrifice only through me and I don't know about you but I love seeing rainbows we saw a rainbow the other day I think when we all see rainbows everyone's a bit happy isn't they? No one, I don't think I've ever seen someone see a rainbow and say oh no not another rainbow. Like everyone, everyone loves a rainbow. It's always great to see a rainbow. But the, the rainbow was given in this world in response to Noah and the flood. It's a promise of love, but also a sign that judgment happened. And so next time you see a rainbow, maybe we will see one today with all the rain and the sunshine. But me, next time you see a rainbow, may it be a chance where you, where you say, thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, that this is a sign of your mercy to me. And maybe if you don't trust Jesus and you, and you next time you see the rainbow, I pray that it'll challenge you to think, am I going to receive his mercy and his love or am I going to receive his judgment? Because it's a sign of his love for us to know him. And then it says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. And the flood here is linked to baptism. And baptism is a, is a joyous time. I love it when we have baptism. I love it going to baptisms. But notice, it's not the act that saves you, like with the removal of dirt. It's the response to having a clear conscience with God. I've got a friend who's a, a vicar in the Anglican church, and uh, even though baptism is very simple, and, and Jesus and John the Baptist explained it well, to be fair, for the last 2,000 years, as churches, we've made it really complicated, haven't we? And we've got things wrong, and we've, wa we've wandered off, and our society has affected things. And he, he finds it really hard as a, as a vicar in an Anglican church when people uh, who don't have faith at all don't go, go, don't go to church would maybe use Jesus Christ as a swear word, and yet they have a, a child and they want to get a child baptised. And he tries to explain to them all, all, like, this is what it is. It doesn't mean this. Like, this is important. Just don't do this lightly. And even though he tries to explain it, sadly, some people just want a photo to put on Facebook, to dress up, and to get a certificate. And they almost use that certificate of, like, Brilliant. Like, this is my heaven certificate. Oh, we, we got dressed up. We had it. Like, it's done deal now. It's, it's done. And his heart hurts 
as they then almost walk straight from the church over to the pub and wet the baby's head through, through, uh, through, through getting drunk and celebrating that way. And he, he never sees them again. And yet they might have this idea of, it's done now. We got a certificate, baptized, so it's sorted. And some people can today say they're Christian or tick Christian on a census because they were baptized as a ch- child yet it wasn't their choice and it's had no eternal eff- internal effect on their life so they won't talk if you ask them about being a christian they won't say about knowing jesus or about being born again or about being part of a church they'll say oh well i was baptized as a child so their faith is on an event that they didn't do and it might not affect their uh, belief at all but their faith is in an event but baptism like it says here is not the removal of dirt from the body like your faith the 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 event of baptism doesn't save you and so this is not true first baptizing christening or dedicating babies of children doesn't mean anything if your parents don't then bring them up in the faith like that was that's for the point of all it is your parents believe in Jesus, they trust in Jesus, and so they baptize, christen, or dedicate this child as a gift from God and as a prayer saying, God help us bring these children up in a way that honors you, in a church that loves you. So if you don't have that, then that's just an event. That's just a picture. That's just a dress up of going to a church. And also, second of all, if that child grows up and doesn't believe, and they don't have that faith, then it, again, it doesn't mean anything. If my boys now get to the age of 14 and start going to the mosque or believe in Richard Dawkins and say there is no God, I don't believe in Jesus, uh, yeah, I, I want nothing to do with them. I can't say to them then in their 30s, well, unlucky I, even though you're an imam now, like, you got christened as a baby. Like, you, that doesn't make sense. You can't do that. This is a personal choice. For, 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 it's a heart prayer as parents to, love, to bring them up in a way that honours God. But then our prayer, isn't it, that all our children, that everyone will be baptised because they have a, a personal experience with God and because they are putting their trust in Jesus themselves. Not just their parents, but their tr- trust in Jesus themselves. And, on, and on, on the other hand, as churches, we've got it wrong as well because many people love trust and have a living relationship with Jesus, and have this spirit, and yet are not baptized. Maybe we've presented it as, as an optional extra, or you've got to re- reach a certain level of spirit, spirituality, and then it's put people off. Or the age of understanding, we all have this kind of funny idea of what that means. But Jesus commanded followers to get baptized. Just like he commanded us to love our neighbors, it's a commandment to be baptized and there is a grace and blessing in it when we follow jesus his commands not not necessarily in a physical sense but in a spiritual sense and it's it's in a response to his love it's in a response to to what he's done so if you have a clear conscience with god like it says toward god yet you have not followed this commandment let me just say get baptized like it's a commandment you find me scripture that tells me tells me for you not to do it. Or lots of people say, I'll pray about it. 
Some, some things you need to pray about, some things you need to do. And so look at that and look at what Jesus has done for you and follow in, into that. But also, if you are trusting in an act when you were a baby with maybe unbelieving parents, like don't trust on that act. Like the Bible says, you need to be born again for this to be real for you, for this to be an encounter of a belief for you in your mind and your heart, for you to trust Jesus, not to trust in an act of removal of dirt. And then finally it says, you need to do this because, it says because it saves you, what saves us? It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what saves us, that's why we're singing today. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Our salvation is not based on our baptism, but it's on Jesus' resurrection. Our salvation is based on Jesus' resurrection. It's not based on my goodness, my, my following him, it's based on the, my belief and trust, daily trust in Jesus' death and resurrection. And baptism is a response to that. Jesus died for the sins of all humanity, and yet not all humanity trust him for that. He was made alive by the Spirit. And he, he said he will give the Spirit, the Comforter, to all who trust him. Yet not all people trust him, so not all people receive his spirit. And he declared that everyone before, during, and after him will declare that he is Lord. Many people will do that willingly, joyfully. Many people will do that just at the recognition that even they didn't believe, even though their hearts were far from him or believed something else, that they have to, their lips will have to do that. And we can be born again through this resurrection. Some of us have an experience where it's like this was definitely happened at this time. For some of us, it happens and it's a slow process. But we can be born again through his resurrection. And Spurgeon, who was a, a theologian, said this about Jesus going into heaven. He says, since Jesus has gone into heaven, his church is safe. Since Jesus has gone into heaven, that is a good thing. It is better that Jesus is in heaven than down with us now. Since Jesus has gone into heaven, his church is safe. Let not his church tremble. The history, history of the church is to be the history of Christ repeated. She is to be betrayed. She is to be scourged. She is to be falsely accused. She is to be spat on. She may have, a, have her crucifixion and she may have her death, but she will rise again. Her master rose and like him, she shall rise and receive glory. You can never kill the church till you can kill Christ. But they couldn't kill Christ and he already wears the crown of triumph. For Jesus Christ also suffered once for sins. There is no longer any sacrifice or atonement that can please God other than what Jesus has provided for us. He is the only way, the only truth, 
the only life. God loves you and he wants this to be real for you. He doesn't want you to depend on your parents' faith, on an act that you were in control of. He wants you to know Jesus himself, for you to know that you will be with him. For, you, for, you, for, for declaring Jesus Lord is to be your greatest honour, not to use Jesus as a swear word. And so is that true for you? For 18 years of my life being brought up in church, it wasn't. I had to hit rock bottom in order for that to be true. But now it's true for me. Not because I'm a good guy or I've got my life together, but because I'm trusting in Jesus. And so the band are going to come up now and we're going to sing that song that we sang together. But I want you to think of, when you, maybe you need to close your eyes when you sing this final song. Because I asked the band before we, we started the service today, what do you think of when you close your eyes during worship? Like, what image do you have when you close your eyes doing sung worship? Like, when you're in the moment, what do you think of? And it talks here about being at the right hand of God. And in Act 7, it talks about a guy called Stephen, who was a follower of Jesus, who was used powerfully by Jesus, but so much so that he angered people, and people hated him, and they, they, they sentenced him to death. And literally... As they were throwing stones at Stephen to kill him, like as he was soon to be the finish with his life, he almost the last breath of things he said, he says this, but Stephen, in Acts 7, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. That was the last things he said before more stones would have hit his head, hit his body, and his physical life would have been over. But that vision he had just before he died, a few moments later, even though he suffered death, that became reality. Instead of a vision, that became 3D as he, as he then entered to glory and saw his Jesus at the right hand of the Father. So this, as Christians, and I'm going to say to you, we just believe this is true. And whether we respond to it or not doesn't affect the fact that it is true. But we want everyone to know this is true because Jesus loves us, because God came for us. And so we want to respond to his mercy, not receive his judgment. I want to say Jesus is Lord out of gratitude, not because out of grinded teeth. And so if you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, then we'd love to pray with you today and help you in this journey with that. Or if you're, maybe you haven't been to church for a while and you've been struggling and you just need prayer to help you, then we'd love to pray for you. Or for us, Maybe you're in a good place, and maybe this is a celebration today, but also let's sing it in gratitude, saying, Lord, I was far from you. You still see my heart. You still see my imperfections, and yet you can say that I am loved, that I am yours. And so, Lord, may my heart be full of gratitude as we declare that Jesus is Lord and that we say in faith that he is at the right hand of the Father, and we will see him 
face to face, not under the earth, but we will see him face to face because of our trust is in you and because of all that you have done through your life, death and resurrection. If you're able to, let's sing this final song together now. Let's stand if you, if you can.